This is recording number 10959 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, December 11, 2011. This is the third message in the series titled, The Signs of the Season. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Star. very first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, and then chapter 2. And we're going to continue and actually conclude our study of, uh, that we're calling the signs of the season. And as I've been saying, the Bible is full of signs. Signs are things that get our attention, number one, and then instruct us or give us some information or point us towards something. And the Bible is full of these signs, and there are a number of them that seem to be concentrated around the birth of Jesus, and we're dealing with three of them. The virgin birth, the manger, and today we're going to be talking about the star. These are things that God intended to get our attention and then to instruct us using those signs about what he is like and the things that he wants to do, his purposes for us. And um, so I asked you to turn to Matthew chapter 2 where we're going to be looking at the star. And today we're going to be focusing on uh, the, a few things that the, the star teaches us about God's willingness and desires to guide our lives. Matthew chapter 2, we're going to begin reading at verse 1. Here we go. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. I think most of you are aware that the wise men were men of intelligence. They were men of science. They were also um, spiritual uh, kind of leaders in a, or looked to in that way. I, because I'm such a huge Star Wars fan, I picture them like uh, the Jedi. And that's kind of what they were. <laughs> but they were people who were um, always studying every kind of uh, document they could get their hands on. They were the ones who charted and mapped the, the, the starry heavens and paid attention to those things. I mean, it, it bleeded over into the realm of astrology, but they were also into astronomy. And so anyway, these guys are in the east. We don't know where exactly, but we know that they have traveled uh, a, a pretty sizable distance when we encounter them coming from the east to Jerusalem. But I also want you to notice here that it says that th these things that we're reading about today happen after Jesus was born. And, you know, in all the Christmas cards and everything, we see the wise men show up with the shepherds at the stable. That's likely not the case. They likely came at a, a later time. In fact, much later. Some, some say, in fact, most agree, I think, that it was within or, or uh, that their arrival was probably closer to two years after Jesus was born. But, you know, we don't know for sure. Anyway, I just want you to know that I want you to know that's why this says that it gives us a little bit of a reference to the timing of these things. But uh, notice that these wise men, these guys... And by the way, um, how many of you ever heard of Daniel? There's a book in the Old Testament called Daniel. Very f famous prophet. 
And Daniel was the chief of the wise men. The word here for uh, that's translated in our English Bible is wise man or wise guy. No, no, it doesn't say that. <laughs> wise men is the word magi. And Daniel was the, the chief of the magis in the Babylonian Empire. And the reason he came into that position was he, as a Jew, he was um, uh, exiled to uh, Babylon or ca caught up in an exile of Jewish people when the Babylonians conquered uh, Israel and uh, through a story I won't tell you ended up into that exalted position. But that gives you an idea of what these guys were, were like. And so they're on their way to Jerusalem saying, <clears throat> so let me back up and read that again so I don't, uh, we don't lose the flow. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? It's pretty emphatic, isn't it? They know why they're here. And they're asking the people they think would have a definitive answer, the Jews in Jerusalem have come to Jerusalem, the capital of Judea. And they want to know, who is he? Who, where's this king of the Jews that we've come to see? And the reason that they uh, have made this journey, the reason they ask this question is because they are familiar with the Old Testament prophets. And they are aware of, of a prophecy that was given in, uh, or recorded in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, 1,400 years before this, where it says then, I see him, but not now, and not near. A star should come out of Jacob. So the prophet is looking into the future. He doesn't know how far into the future. But it turns out to be 1,400 years. And he sees him. Not now, not near, him. And then it's no mistake that that arrival of the him, the Messiah, is depicted with a very, a very descriptive term, a star. So these guys know that. They've been obviously observing the heavens and there's an unusual celestial body up there. We don't know if it's an actual star, a comet, a meteor. There's a lot of shiny stuff up there in the heavens, right? But something unusual has appeared, something they don't, haven't seen before, and they equate it to the arrival of this hymn, the somebody. And that's what sent them on their journey. They also surely are aware of the many... Uh, messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. So they come and they say, where is he? We've seen his star. Where is he? Um, let's see. Let's pick it up at verse 3. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Herod was troubled because he was an egomaniac and he was very paranoid that somebody was going to take his throne. And here these guys come looking for another king. Disturbed him. Verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, so he gathers up all his, his uh, knowledgeable, intellectual people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And it's amazing to me, these guys know. It's no, no mystery to them. So they said to him, well, of course, in Bethlehem of Judea, for, this, for thus it is written by the prophet. And they quote from the prophet Micah. And Micah, when, in, in uh, chapter 5, verse 2, he was... 
He was prophesying about 700 years prior to this event. And Micah says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. He's trying to figure out the time frame uh, of when this king was to have been born so he can kind of gauge his... His response, and he said to them, or he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you've found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Uh, no, I don't think so. He had other plans than worship, but he was letting the wise men do uh, the investigation for him. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now, I don't know how this happened. I can't explain it to you. I do know that you can navigate by... You can use the stars to navigate by. There's a thing called stellar navigation. Mariners uh, have uh, used that to get around the open seas for, for ages. Somehow this... But somehow this uh, bright spot in the sky that was unusual, that was stood out among all of the charts that these wise men had from their studies, this thing uh, appears in such a way now that they're able to get a, a definite location. It wasn't, you know, GPS, but it was something like that. Verse 10, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceed, with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want to talk to you today out of this passage, which uh, could take us in a number of different directions, but I want to talk to you today about the sign of the star that tells us that we have a God in heaven who wants to guide us. And there's some things, five things in this story that stand out to me as a person who's interested in knowing what God would have for my life. You ever had a question that you brought to God to say, God, what should I do? Should I marry this guy? My, when you, by the way, if you ever bring that question to me, my answer will always be no. <laughs> just, just to let you know. <laughs> God, should I take that job? God, should I buy this house? God, what do I do about my kid? You know, have you ever had those questions? I have. I have. There's hardly a day that goes by. In fact, I'm, I'm sure there isn't a day that goes by that I don't ask the Lord for guidance and direction. Because I want to know the way. I learned a song when I was a kid. That always comes back to me. It's kind of a, I mean, it's, it's just you know, childlike song, but it's so perfect uh, for me anyway. It just reminds me of something that I, I just need often to be reminded of. It says, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness. And all I got to do is follow. And, uh, but there are times when I'm just desperate to, to get onto that right path. So I, I declare that song to him. My Lord, you know the way guide me. And he wants to do that. So perhaps this morning you have some things, some questions, some unsettled, uncertain things that you're looking to God for guidance about. And I believe the Lord could meet you this morning out of this passage. 
and speak to you along those lines. The first thing I want you to see is that God's divine guidance is always available. But it's available to those who seek it. I know sometimes people, I've had people say this to me. They've said, you know, God knows my address. If he wants to get my attention, he knows how to get me. Yeah, he does. (laughs) He does. But he's chosen to offer and then we receive. That's how it works. He's not going to cram his guidance down your throat. If you want to be someone led by God, you can be. But it will, it will require a choice on your part and a, and a surrender. We, we, we tend to, don't we? We tend to kind of want to call our own shots. <laughs> we tend to want to have things go our way. Listen, if you, want someone, if you want to be someone guided by the Lord, whose life is on the course that he would set for you, it's going to require an invitation, Lord, I want that. And then, two, it's going to, it's going to require a, a surrender, Lord, I give up my control. But divine guidance is available to those who seek it. The second thing we see here, I think, about divine guidance is that it always starts out general and becomes specific. These guys, they made it, I don't, we don't know how far they traveled, but apparently a long way. We don't know how long it took them, but they get all the way to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is within just a few short miles of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is just a suburb of Jerusalem. So they get all the way to Jerusalem, but that, that's as close as they get, and then they need some more information. And that is so typical of the way God guides us. This is the most important thing I'm going to say this morning, by the way, so if you've been tuned out, tune back in for a minute. Um, I had a friend, or I didn't have, I say that as though he doesn't exist anymore. He is my friend. I have a friend who for a number of years lived in the city of Eugene, Oregon, the home of the <clears throat> Oregon Ducks who will be playing in the Rose Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. Any Ducks fans here? Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, his mother-in-law lived in Los Angeles and was coming to visit so uh, they're talking on the phone. He says to her mom, do you know how to get here? Do you remember how to get here? She's going to drive from L.A. to Eugene, Oregon. And she says, oh, yeah. I just go to Oregon and turn left. <laughs> <laughs> now, now <laughs> that's kind of insufficient information. But you know what? The truth is, if she got an Interstate 5 at the Tijuana border, she could have gotten within a half hour of her destination. She could have driven for, for probably 12 hours in the right direction on the basis of that information only. She could, because when you, when you get, you know, Eugene is right off of, of Interstate 5, but it's to the west a little bit. You have to take a spur to actually get there. But she could have gotten that far on that information. And then a quick phone call uh, well, I'm, I'm close by. Now what do I need to do? And she'd have been there, right? You hold in your hands there divine guidance. It's amazing to me how we approach divine guidance as though we have to have all the details up front. I need the Google map 
from here to there with every, <laughs> every on-ramp and off-ramp marked. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I'll, I'll t- talk to you why about that, why that is in a little bit, but it doesn't work that way. Here's how it works. Follow this. Follow this book. And you will always find yourself in the neighborhood of where God wants you to be. You will find in those times when you're desperate to to hear from God about some specific thing that all he has to do is nudge you a little bit and you're there. It's not like you start from scratch. When you live, when you just make it a part of your life to be in this book and lining up your life with this book, the information God has given you. You will always be close. You'll always be nearby. And it isn't all this heartache and, and, um, and travail and trauma about trying to discern God's voice because you're close. God's div- divine guidance this brings me to the next thing will always involve the scriptures. It will always involve the scriptures. People, you know, want to, and this is no complaint, by the way. I'm not, I'm not whining or complaining You're welcome to bring me your prayer requests along this line. You're welcome to ask me my opinion or or my counsel. Please ask me uh, about the things that you're going through. In fact, I'd much rather have you ask for some counsel than than just inform me of the stuff that you've done that's going to end up ruining your life. Come on, ask me ahead of time for some help or somebody that you know and trust. But So I'm not whining or complaining, but, but look at this. When you come and you and you or you come to me or anybody else wanting to know what God's will is, make sure you've checked this out first. Make sure. The the wise men get to Jerusalem. They've got they're within a very short distance of their final destination. But they need the help of the scripture. Oh yeah, I know where he is. Micah 5, 2. In Bethlehem. <laughs> One time. <laughs> uh, boy, we need the scriptures because otherwise we can get far off course very fast. Have you figured out how you can, you can pretty much convince yourself that anything is right if you work at it hard enough. And you can use the scriptures to do it. So that's why you've got to be honest with the Bible and, and, and let it speak to you as God would have it. I remember this time that I'm, I'm probably 15 years old. I have two other teenage friends, and we're sitting around as teenage boys do, and we were talking about stuff. And one of the things that came up was uh, you know, about drinking alcohol. And we were Christians, and we started talking about, well, you know, Jesus' first miracle was to uh, turn water into wine. Paul the Apostle, he, he, uh, you know, he prescribed wine uh, as a medicine. Uh, you know, and we were building this scriptural case for why it would be okay for us as underaged teenage boys to go get loaded. And we were doing a pretty good job of it. We were really close. And then one of us, uh, I don't remember which one, but one of us was uh, smart enough to say, you know what, let's, let's really ask God about this. 
So we went out on, on the, my friend's front lawn, and we, we huddled up in a little circle, cross-legged on the grass, and we took a Bible. This is no lie. This is the absolute truth. We, we took a Bible. We laid it out in front of us, and we put it on the grass, and we said, Okay, God, we want you to speak to us. First, first verse we, we put our finger on, I want you to sh- show us what you want to say to us about this. And so we put the Bible out there, open it up. No lie, the wind starts blowing. The pages are flopping around like this all over the place. And then it stops. And we go, hmm, should we even look? And then it was me. I was brave enough to say, okay, I'll do it. You know what it said? Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and he that is deceived thereby is not wise. See, I still remember it. (laughs) God will speak to us, but he'll use this. It will never be apart from this, because this is the measure. Otherwise, you can convince yourself of anything. And you can use scripture out of context. You got... God will speak to you, but he will use his word. Finally, divine guidance... Not finally, i got two more. Hang with me. Divine guidance will always require faith. When these wise men set out from their homeland, they didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what, was gonna, what they were encounter, going to encounter along the way. They didn't know what would end up at their destination and what, what, what it would all be like. They didn't know if they would survive. They didn't know if they had enough supplies because they didn't know how long the journey would be. If you want to be someone who is guided by the Lord, be prepared. Just get ready because it will require faith. Faith is where you step out in the unknown and trust God. But he always comes through. He always comes through. Now, finally... Divine guidance will always lead us to Jesus. Now, when it comes to this subject about divine guidance, for us, guidance is always about not making a mistake, not screwing up, doing the right thing. That's, what we, that's why we want to know. We want to know what God's will is so we don't mess up. So we do the right thing, the thing that honors God, the thing that pleases God, the thing that will keep us from, from derailing our lives. We, we don't want to screw up. But can I tell you that from God's point of view, divine guidance that he wants to offer us is always about relationship. It's always about relationship. He cares about who you marry. He cares about what job you take. He cares about all of those things that we are so desperate to hear from him about. He does care about those things. But he cares about them because of the relationship that he wants to have with us. The end that divine guidance is a means to with God is always relationship. 